morning? There we go. Let's try that. Good morning, Life Church. It is uh, great to see each one of you, uh, at least half of your faces, and so that is, uh, it is fantastic for you to be here. And those who are joining us online, thank you uh, for being with us so faithfully uh, every single week at this time in the morning, also our 11 a.m. service, and uh, so great to have you uh, joining with us uh, together as, as we uh, celebrate. Uh, this is Thanksgiving week, and uh, there is a lot to be thankful for. Right? There is a lot to be thankful for. And right now in our world, there's uh, topsy-turvy and all that stuff, but God is still on the throne, and we thank him for that. We thank him that he hasn't abdicated his throne. And uh, we have opportunity uh, with our family, sometimes from a distance, uh, to be grateful for our family. And uh, thank you uh, for being a part of Life Church. And uh, this makes us thankful <laughs> for all that God is doing. And uh, seeing you each and every week is uh, really a, a blessing, and having you join us online is a blessing as well. So celebrate this week on uh, Thursday. How many of you are turkey people? All right, good. How many of you are ham people? <laughs> Got double raised hands there. How many of you are like, you just eat vegetables? All right, a few of you, very good, all right. So we got Thanksgiving coming up. It's uh, one of my favorite meals. Actually, it is my favorite meal of the, uh, of the year because this is about the only time in the year that I get sweet potato casserole. So it's so good, yes. Marshmallows on top, lightly toasted, looks beautiful. Can't wait to eat it, so uh, that's gonna be very exciting. But my wife doesn't let me in the kitchen like that whole day because I just mess things up. That's, uh, that's my job as a husband. So. Um, so God has called us to lead the people of the valley to be more like Jesus, all right, this is uh, kind of our heart's cry as Life Church Utah. This is what God has called us to do. This is our, the direction that we are headed. And over the last six weeks, we've looked uh, into the Bible to discover uh, what we are about as a church. And uh, I have been uh, incredibly encouraged by the conversations that I have had uh, with folks. I've heard about some great conversations in our life groups uh, that, uh, that the Lord really is at work within us and uh, doing, uh, doing some great things. And so being like Jesus is our goal, and how many of you are just like Jesus? Any of you just like Jesus? Right? There's a song I was listening to uh, earlier this week, and one of the lines is, you're not finished with me yet. And it's referring to God's not finished with me yet. How many of you know you're not finished yet? Right? We've got a long way to go as the people of God. We're not perfect, uh, but you are welcome to be part of Life Church if you are not perfect. And uh, uh, so it is a lifelong journey, and some days we look a whole lot like Jesus other days, not so much. And um, driving sometimes in traffic makes us not look like Jesus, right? Waiting in a long line makes us not look like Jesus. We try our best, though. So today we conclude our, um, our series, but we don't finish the mission, right? This, uh, this is an unfinished business that we have in front of us. Uh, because there are so many people in the Salt Lake Valley, so many people in Tooele Valley, so many people in the state of Utah, so many people in, in our United States, and uh, also in the world that uh, have not yet heard the name Jesus Christ. And God has given us uh, whatever portion of that is ours, we take that responsibility, and we say, God, lead us and guide us. Um, so tomorrow, when all is said and done, we have the same vision and the same mission, Ultimately, that mission is summed up uh, in the great commission that God has called us to go into all the world, right? And so we're going to do this with passion. Uh, next week, it's still to be like Jesus, right? The week after that, we still need to be like Jesus. A year from now, we still need to be like Jesus and lead people to him. So as a review, these are the six uh, kind of elements for us, kind of pillars that we have uh, for Life Church. Number one, we commit to uh, biblical truth. 
Uh, we innovate ministry to reach the next generation. We have intentional love of others. We uh, kind of express radical generosity, which we'll have an opportunity to do that uh, at the end of service today when we uh, do that special offering for one day uh, to feed the world. Whenever I say one day, I think one day to rule the world, but that's, uh, that's an 80s song and we're not singing that this morning. Um, and then the last thing we're going to be talking about, which is this week, is developing healthy relationships. So as we, uh, as we reach the end of our series for the valleys, we conclude with another bookend. We had a biblical, you know, commitment to biblical truth was at the beginning, and then here at the very end uh, is healthy relationships, and, and that's kind of on purpose for this series um, because we know that our God is a relational God. Our God is not out there far away from us. He is not out there disconnected from us, but our God is a relational God. And as we're going to find out today, uh, that we have to start with that relationship first if we're to have the healthiest relationships possible in the rest, uh, in the rest of our lives. Um, now, we're not going to be able to give you every key to a healthy relationship in every part of your life. Right? We're not going to be able to do that today. That's going to take uh, decades to probably fully tease out what it means to have a healthy relationship in your marriage, a healthy relationship uh, between you and your children, between you and your workplace, between you and yourself, because you know uh, we need a healthy relationship with ourselves, right? And so uh, today we're just going to hit kind of the surface area of what it means to have healthy relationships. And we know that there are challenges that we face when it comes to our relationships, and sometimes there are difficulties in marriages, sometimes difficulty uh, when we parent. And um, as we work through this today, I wanted to share with you a, uh, share with you a story of, um, of a marriage that ha- faced some difficulties, and then how God has kind of redeemed, um, uh, redeemed a situation and uh, somehow really has brought glory to his name. Turn your attention to the screens. There was a time where God wasn't the center of my life. I met this guy, I thought he was really great, got married, and we just quit going to church. We started fighting a lot. We just, we didn't keep God as, as the center. I wanted to make it work because when you're married, it's a covenant, you have to make it work. So I started going to church and then we tried to go to counseling and he never wanted to go to counseling, so. It always felt like I was trying to pull him to be Christ-like with me or pull him to go to church with me. Starting to talk more with people, more, um, Christ-like figures in my life and friends and family, they all were saying, this just isn't a good place. It's not healthy to be in this relationship anymore. He had let some things happen and I let things happen. So I ended up moving back home with my parents, um, coming to Life Church actually. Um, got a divorce and just kind of spent that time to really realign myself with Christ. Just working on that relationship and figuring out what my life was gonna look like because I kind of started back at the beginning. (laughs) I thought when I left for college that was gonna be the end of living with my parents. I thought that was gonna be like, I'm finally independent now. And when I got myself into that marriage and like things just went crazy, I realized I'm gonna have to start from at the base again, start rebuilding my life up Um, in Christ instead. I joined youth about this time last year. I really felt called to join it. I didn't really know why. Um, It's outside of my comfort zone to the extreme because I'm not comfortable being a leader. (laughs) That's when I ended up meeting Johnny. (laughs) Um, 
and it was just a healthy re relationship and we ended up dating for a little while and got engaged and then we got married. I feel like Kelsey inspires me to be more like the man of God that I know he wants me to be. I have her to walk right next to me to, you know, kind of encourage me along and I can encourage her along. So it's, you know, I've just really nice to have a, a running mate, if you will. So now we lead together. With Kelsey, we can almost tag team, you know, not just be able to reach more students, but have a broader understanding of kind of challenges that they're facing. And My hope is to give the next generation this ability to see a healthy relationship actually work. We keep God at the center of our relationship. We keep God, like we pray together every night, we have a Bible study, we tithe, we volunteer together, we just, it's completely different. <laughs> One of our core values as yeah. a married couple is uplifting others, helping them do something they don't want, being with them in a hard time, just kind of being people who are an encouragement. Our society today is um, a lot of broken relationships. It's really nice for the students to be able to see like, oh, this is a possibility. When God's at the center, you can have a healthy relationship. My hope is that both myself individually before I met Kelsey and even more so now that I'm married to her is that just to encourage people to be more like Christ, to, to be Christ to people who don't know him. So just loving people honestly, not with an agenda, not where I'm trying to get something out of it or, you know, check a spiritual, you know, to-do list, but just love people because God loves them and I love them for that same reason. Amen. When my daughter moved back home with us, There was a season in our family trying to figure out what health looked like, right? You never see one, you never want to uh, have your children experience a divorce. And walking with my daughter through this and seeing now a healthy, a healthy marriage for her and for Johnny. And uh, Johnny's almost as tall as me, but I'm a little bit taller, which is good. So that's, that's a good thing. Um, th th there are so many relationships that are broken in our world, right? And uh, just at the very end there, what Johnny was saying is uh, without Christ at the center, we, we put ourselves in a position of deficit from the beginning. We put ourselves in a position where, um, where we're trying to do this on our own, and we know that we can't do it. We know that we can't do it. Um, so in these relationships that we have all around us, and maybe you saw yourself in this, uh, this kind of a picture, um, but so many others could be represented dealing with families and work situations and even with ourselves. Um, there, there are two different kinds of relationships I want to talk about uh, this morning. The first one is transactional relationship. Uh, transactional relationship is that kind of relationship where you are, um, there's a transaction that takes place. So I have a transactional relationship with Starbucks. They take my money <laughs> and I get coffee. Okay, that's, that's kind of, that, that's a transactional relationship. Um, but that kind of a relationship uh, can only go so far. 
uh, right? I mean, there is, there is no life really exchanging between myself and Starbucks. Now, there's it's a little bit different relationship between myself and some of the baristas, right? There's, there's a little more. I'm like, like this as if I'm fighting them. No, this is a good thing right here, like holding mugs of coffee. It's a beautiful thing. Um, and so these transactional relationships is um, uh, even like buying a home right? It's just where, where you get something in return uh, automatically for what you do. It's a, it's a pay-to-receive kind of relationship, but these relationships are not really that fulfilling. As humans, uh, that kind of relationship only goes so far. And there are times when relationship with a spouse becomes just transactional. Relationship at work becomes just transactional. I get a paycheck, and that's as far as it goes. And something happens within us when that's the only kind of relationship that we have with people around us, and uh, I think that there's a loneliness, there's an isolation that happens. Uh, Somehow we pull away from, and uh, we end up in this position where our relationship with others has uh, become uh, debilitating to us because we wonder what they want from us now. What, what, you know, what's the agenda, as Johnny said earlier? What's the agenda? What, and that's, that's a sign of a transactional relationship. Is there something more, though? Is there a, is there a better kind of relationship uh, that we should, uh, should engage in? And yes, yes, there is. And this is a transformational relationship. This, I believe, is the, is the place that we should be as followers of Christ, is in this world of transformational relationships. Now, we can't get away from transactional relationships, right? When you go to Smith's, uh, you're, you're going to buy your turkey or whatever you have for this. There's a transaction that happens, and if you're happy with the transaction, you continue to make that transaction. If you're not, though, then you're going to go to somewhere else, whatever, you know, wherever you choose to go for that transaction. Um, the transformational relationship is where we are truly impacted, we're changed, we're completed. Uh, what's that movie? You complete me. <laughs> okay, anyway. Um, so we are completed, we're made whole, we are influenced and transformed by the other. Sometimes this transformation can be negative. And I just want to acknowledge the fact that transformational uh, relationships are both positive and negative. So I want to focus on the positive, but I need to acknowledge the fact uh, that we can be transformed negatively by those around us as well when we don't set up proper boundaries. This would be trauma, neglect, abuse, that kind of transformational relationship. Now, that kind of relationship is not the kind of relationship that God wants us to be engaged in. Let me just be super, super clear about that. And uh, God wants us to be on the exact opposite side of that where we are bringing life to people rather than taking life from them. When we look at the totality of Jesus' life, I think what you will find is what's recorded in the Bible are are a series of transformational relationships that Jesus engages in, that that other people engage uh, with Jesus in. Um, And this is what we need to be engaged in in our lives around us as well. That when we walk outside of the walls of this building, when we step outside of our homes after we finish watching the service online, um, we need to be engaged in transformational relationships with people around us. Now, there's one man in particular uh, in the Bible that I want to talk about in in this uh, this idea of transformational relationship, and I'm going to quickly go through uh, his life. Um, Questions were rattling him to the core. 
He had heard about Jesus maybe from a distance and realized, boy, I want to know this individual. I, I don't know much about him. He seems pretty controversial, but I want to know him. And, and uh, um, so this guy's name is Nicodemus. And Nicodemus felt he could only meet with Jesus in John chapter 3 at night. Uh, he couldn't even uh, in this relationship, which right now is going to be transactional because he's just asking questions of Jesus and Jesus is responding to him. So there's a transaction that's taking place. Uh, they start talking about the spiritual life. John chapter three, verse one and two. Now a certain man, a Pharisee named Nicodemus, who is a member of the Jew Jewish ruling council, came to Jesus at night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God for no one could perform the miraculous signs that you do unless God is with him. So there's a transaction that's taking place, a curiosity that's happening in Nicodemus's life. A few weeks ago, we talked about innovation and uh, being intriguing with our life. This is what's happening right now is Jesus is innovating in this moment to be able to reach uh, this, this guy uh, late at night. It's the beginning of the conversation. They talk about spiritual matters. They get to a point where uh, Jesus drops the, uh, the greatest scripture, right? The one that most of us know for sure, John three sixteen. So this is the context of it is, uh, is Jesus talking to Nicodemus late at night. For this is the way God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world should be saved through him. And this was the end of that relationship in that moment. It was transactional. There was conversation that happened. Jesus gave answers to Nicodemus' questions, and Nicodemus walked away. So what happened to Nicodemus after this? And this is where I think it begins to show the transformational nature of who Jesus is in our life when we begin talking to God and begin talking to those of us who know God and, and uh, people that at this point uh, who don't know God begin talking to us, something begins to work in their lives that's not with our control that the Spirit of God begins to work. And in John chapter 7, I don't have this verse for you this morning, but John, in John chapter 7, verse 49 and 50 uh, the group of people that uh, Nicodemus is associated with, this Jewish ruling council, they're trying to figure out ways to, uh, uh, to arrest Jesus, to take Jesus out of the picture. And this is, the, this is when we see Nicodemus for the first time standing up for Jesus. Now, he does it in kind of a, a legal way. He just says, ah, hey, let's rethink this. Um, you know, he's got to be able to give account for himself. We can't just presume that he's guilty. He's got to give an account for himself. There needs to be witnesses called. And so then they accuse Nicodemus saying, Nicodemus, what are you now identifying with Jesus? Are you now one of the Galileans? Take a look and you'll find out that nothing good comes from Galilee. That was that first step for Nicodemus. But is that the end of the story for Nicodemus? In fact, it's not. In John chapter 19, verse 39, what we have is this story. Well, 39, it says this, Nicodemus, the man who had previously come to Jesus at night, accompanied Joseph. Now, Joseph, this is Joseph of Arimathea. And if you know your Bible, this is at the very, toward the very end of John, and Jesus had just been crucified. Jesus had just died, had been laid in the tomb, and Joseph of, of Arimathea had gone to Pilate in order to, uh, to take, um, take authority or to take Jesus' body down from the cross and to take Jesus' body and put it in a tomb. And Nicodemus is right there with Joseph. It says that he is carrying a mixture of myrrh and aloes weighing about 75 pounds. Now, that is a very extravagant gift for burial. 
Then they took Jesus' body and wrapped it with the aromatic spices and strips of linen cloth according to Jewish burial customs. Nicodemus was there at the very end of Jesus' life. Now Nicodemus' life is so transformed that he's willing to be identified directly with Jesus Christ. All of his former trappings, all the former friends, everybody else, now they know where Nicodemus stands because his life has had this transformational relationship with Jesus Christ. No longer can Nicodemus go back to the way that he was. The Spirit of God had continued to work in, uh, in Nicodemus' life over and over and over and over again until this point when he makes, in reality, a public declaration of allegiance to Jesus Christ alone. That's a transformed life. And this is the kind of life, or this is the kind of conversation, this is the kind of interaction that we need to have with people around us. It's not just transactional, but it's transformational. And that only happens through Jesus Christ. So if being more like Jesus is developing healthy relationships, we must start with the foundation of all that, a relation, that of a relationship with God the Father. We must have a relationship with him to set us on a strong foundation. Everything else rests on this foundation. Something is missing from our lives if we miss this part of our foundation. The great thing is, well, a couple of things. Um, the relationship that God wants with us through Jesus Christ, um, that, is a, that is a free welcome relationship with our God who is our creator, right, because of what Jesus did on the cross. Nothing separates us anymore from the Father. And so that relationship that we have from him to us has been paid for. It is wide open for us. But on our part, it takes work to continue to be identified with Jesus. Uh, we're, we're like leaky vessels, Right? We, you know, we, we, we some days, like I said earlier, some days we look a lot like Jesus, other days, yeah, not so much, right? And so it's that continual work that we do, not to earn our salvation, right? But that work that we do to show that we are in allegiance with Jesus Christ. Just because you've come to Jesus doesn't mean that everything, every relationship that you have is right and doesn't need work. Oftentimes, when you come to Jesus, that's when you begin to realize, oh my goodness, there's a lot of work that needs to be done in my marriage. There's a lot of work that needs to be done in my work. A lot of, marriage, a lot of work needs to be done in my parenting. It takes a lot of effort to keep Jesus first. It takes effort to keep Jesus first in every bit of our lives. So a couple of key insights here. Three very quick, uh, quick principles for us that I'm gonna kind of dive into a little bit. So this is kind of a healthy relationship checkup. Uh, use this uh, for yourself to figure out where am I in a healthy relationship. Number one, uh, love is a decision, not an emotion. How many of you feel in love with your spouse all of the time? You feel in love with your spouse all the time. Oh, very good. We got, well, okay, the husband's nudging the wife's arm to put the arm up. That's good. Okay, good. That's healthy. We have marriage counseling. We'd love to help you out with that afterwards, um, <laughs> right? Okay. Uh, there are times, I mean, there are times when I don't feel in love with my wife. She's not, she's, she's I think she's probably in the back the, with, the, with the band. Um, but uh, th there are times that she would say, that she doesn't feel in love with me, although that's very, very rare. <laughs> right? Okay. So we know that that's the case, but why do we put that demand upon our love? 
right? Love is not an emotion. It is absolutely a decision that we make. If feelings drove Jesus, would he have gone to the cross for us? Mm -mm. Remember we talked about this last week. You know, Jesus is there at the, uh, at the garden. Lord, if there is, or Father, if there is any other way, his feelings are pushing against this, and yet the decision comes out on top to say, yet, Lord, your will be done, not mine. This, this decision to love is one for those who are married. You, you make right at the, at the altar. The decision to love, uh, you, you make towards your children. The decision that you love, uh, sometimes you have to make a little more difficult for your job, right? You know, whatever that is, it's a decision, not an emotion. 1 Corinthians 13 is a picture of God's love, but it should be ours as well. And uh, when I read through the scripture, put, uh, put your name uh, everywhere that the word love is, right? This is a good exercise to do from time to time to see how, how you measure up here. So uh, love is patient. I put my name. Rich is patient. Uh, love is kind. Love is not envious. Love does not brag. Love is not puffed up. Love is not rude. Love is not self-serving. Love is not easily angered or resentful. Put your name in all of those things. How do you measure up to the decision of love? Love is not glad about injustice, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. It endures all things. Love never ends. I think it's this kind of love that's a decision that God made for us. And it's this kind of love that we have to decide on a daily basis in our relationships in order for us to have a healthy relationship. My marriage is not an emotion, it's a decision. My friendships are not an emotion-based relationship, they are decisions. To love one another is not an emotion-based, it is principle. So if we start here with our choice to love, we're in a position of health in our relationships. We start from a position of health. Now, number two follows a little bit closely on this. Number two, I am not the center of the world. Let me say that again. I am not the center of the world unless you are Jesus. And we're not Jesus, right? Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. Instead of being motivated by selfish ambition or vanity, each of you should, in humility, be moved to treat one another as more important than yourself. Each of you should be concerned not only about your own interests, but about the interests of others as well. I'm not the center. I'm not the center. Look at your neighbor and say, you're not the center. <laughs> right. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm not the center. <laughs> so immediately following this, the, the passage that I just read, he, he begins to give a picture of who Jesus is. And this is the great hymn of, uh, of Philippians. And continually in there, he talks about Jesus giving himself. Jesus giving himself, taking on the form of a servant giving himself, considering equality with God. He didn't want to grasp it. You know, all of these things. Jesus humbled himself. Jesus put others above himself through the very thing that Paul says that we need to have if we're going to have healthy relationships. Um, this shows up in our marriages, our parenting, our grandparenting, work, school. Selfishness will lead to dysfunction in every relationship. 
We're on our way to a healthy relationship when I, me, whoever you are, when I am not the center. We're on our way to healthy relationships. And then number three, and again, these all tie in together. Number three is a commitment uh, to the long haul. That we must be committed to the long haul if we're going to have healthy relationships. Romans chapter 8, verse 35, and then 38 through 39. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will troubles or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? For I'm convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor uh, heavenly rulers nor, any, uh, nor things that are present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Talk about commitment. God is doing everything he possibly can to get to us. Nothing is holding him back from us. Nothing. That is a deep commitment that God has to us. This is what Jesus pictured for us. A deep commitment to never give up on us. A deep commitment to never let go of us. A deep commitment to never shrink back from our problems, from our difficulties. And when we have this kind of a commitment ourselves to those who are around us, man, that is going to breed health within our relationships when we are committed for the long haul. Um, For parents, it looks like when we are committed to our children through heartache, for our spouses through the challenges that come to every marriage, friends in the midst of differing opinions and differing views and perspectives, we're committed to the long haul. We can have healthy relationships. So we cannot ever get away from commitment. No commitment phobia here at Life Church, right? We've got to be committed to one another for the long haul if we're going to be healthy across the board for, uh, for the kingdom of God. And so when we put all of these things together, commitment to the word of God, um, that commitment that we have to innovating ministry, that commitment that we have to intentionally loving others, that, uh, that deep commitment that we have to radical generosity and then finally to healthy relationships. When we have all of these in place, what does that allow us to do? I believe it allows us to lead people to be more like Jesus. And I love the video we watched just a, a little bit ago um, concerning uh, One Day to Feed the World. I'm going to invite, well, actually, I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet here real quickly. Um, and let me give you some instructions about the One Day to Feed the World uh, offering that we're going to do. In the envelope, uh, in the, uh, uh, the seat in front of you, seat back in front, I just had you stand up. You might have to sit down if you need to fill this out. Uh, in the seat back in front of you, there's an envelope, and it's just our, our standard envelope for a life church. And I invite you to uh, take that and... Um, be able to make an offering today on that, uh, on that, or, or in that envelope. Be able to uh, write a check out to Life Church Utah. Everything that comes in uh, for this offering will go uh, only to one day to feed the world. Other thing that you will be able to do as well is if today you did not come ready to be able to give an offering, you can take an envelope and write down there what the offering will be in the next few weeks as you endeavor to, uh, to follow through uh, on that as a commitment that you're making uh, for the one day to feed the world. 
The second or the third way that we're able to give today is certainly online. And uh, go to lifechurchutah.com uh, 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 slash give for those of you who are online watching us right now or you're able to do that uh, certainly after the service. But one day to feed the world, what I love about it is it's kind of this picture of, of what we desire to see happen through these kind of commitments that we make to what God has called us to do, uh, not only here in the Salt Lake Valley, Tooele Valley, but beyond into all of our world is that God has called us to love. God has called us to make a difference in this world, not just from transactions, but through transformation. And we are all about making a transformation in the lives of these who cannot by themselves make transformation through this one day to feed the world. And so what I'm going to ask you to do is if you've got an envelope uh, ready to go, you can go ahead and hold on to that. And I'm going to ask uh, those of you who've got those envelopes prepared in just a moment that we're going to come down uh, to the altar when we, uh, we're going to sing uh, one last song here, uh, the thank you song. And I'm going to invite you to come down to be able to drop that uh, here at the front on the altar, really as a sign of, um, sign of worship to the Lord, as a sign to him, say, God, this is what we're giving to you as an act of obedience to you. If you're up in the balcony, please, you can make your way down on the, uh, on the side uh, uh, the side stairs or down uh, down to our lobby and uh, come down uh, for this offering. This is a chance for us, right? A picture of our generosity to God, our radical generosity. So Father, we thank you for this morning. And God, as we choose this morning to be uh, in a transformational relationship with you, God, we are opening ourselves to you. That God, you're going to take this offering, God, that we give, and Lord, you're going to multiply it way beyond what we could ever do. That, God, you're going to take this offering, and while it might be small, God, some of us are able to give, uh, give more generously. Others, God, that it is really a sacrificial gift that we're giving to you today. God, we know that you're going to transform lives because of what happens here. And, God, for the, for the finances that are given today, Lord, we're entrusting them to you. We're entrusting them, God, that uh, what's being given in faith today is going to change the lives of thousands of people. And God, this is what it's all about as Life Church Utah. God, this represents us, represents a portion of our lives given to you. So Father, as we lift up worship to you again this morning, Lord, help us to be able to give generously because God, you gave so radically generously to us through your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we love you. We praise you and we commit this to you today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you've got a gift to give, I'm gonna invite you to go ahead and come on down to the front. Stephen, would you mind leading us in that worship? If you're not prepared today to uh, give that gift, uh, join with us in worship this morning. Thank you for saving me and forgiving me. Thank you for loving me, my God. for healing me and for blessing me. Thank you for holding me, my God. Words, words can describe all the things in my heart, and I will endeavor to try. So
thank you this morning. God, thank you for all that you are doing at Life Church Utah. God, we're grateful for the transformation of lives that takes place on a weekly basis. We're grateful, God, for the challenge that you put before us uh, today and every single week, Lord, that you have called us to lead the people of the valley to be more like Jesus. And so, Lord, help us to be more like Jesus in our relationships around us. God, help us to be able to cultivate healthy relationships, God, by, by us not being the center, God, but you being the center of our relationships. God, that we make that decision to love others. God, we don't rest on our feelings. And God, that we are deeply committed to one another over the long haul. Lord, we love you. We praise you. God, we give you all the glory and the honor this day. Lord, I ask that you would multiply the gifts that are given uh, for the transformation of cultures and societies and families around the world. And God, I pray your blessing upon Convoy of Hope, Lord. Thank you for the ministry that they represent. Um, and God, the ministry that we've supported for many years here at Life Church. And we're grateful, God, to partner with them again. Lord, we love you this day. God, we give you all the glory. We thank you in advance for how you're going to move in and through our lives, Lord. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray. And thank you guys so much for being here. Have a safe and fantastic Thanksgiving uh, celebration uh, with your families or whoever you're with this weekend, Lord. Thank you guys. Have a great afternoon.